Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome everyone to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. As you know, this is a message of hope and inspiration and awakening in the world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, it's a great place to be. I know you're tuning in because you're on the spiritual path. And everybody on this podcast has something, some wonderful story to tell that will inspire you on your journey. I want to remind you that if you want to be part of our newsletter community, you can subscribe at thespiritualform.org. Also, I've been asking for feedback on the podcast. So if you're on the newsletter or on the website, thespiritualform.org, there's a little uh, box you can click and to go to that very, very short survey. I'd like to hear what's working for you and what's not working for you on the podcast. So that's pretty much my run up. I want to remind you that this is a donation-based podcast ministry. So if you are, uh, if you benefit from this, if you're inspired in any way, any amount, even the little tiny amount is really helpful to keep this podcast going and for me to be able to uh, be able to uh, handle all the, um, the the editing expenses and also the platform expenses and just tend to be a, a broadcast message of inspiration awakening in the world. All right, that's my run-up. Let me introduce my guest. Derek Januszewski has been on a healing journey. A survivor of abuse and neglect as a child, he had difficulty fitting in and dealing with life on life's terms. As an adult, he developed alcoholism and addiction as his marriage dissolved. At one of his lowest points, he found ayahuasca at a church in Florida, where he began working in support of those who serve the medicine and organize weekend retreats. In February of 2019, he founded Pachamama Sanctuary in New Hampshire, where he currently serves as pastor. The sanctuary will be reopening this spring after a brief closure where Derek took time to do deeper healing work, addressing the root of his problems via shadow work. Today, we're going to be talking about Derek's healing journey, the Pachamama Sanctuary, and the spiritual and medicinal uses of ayahuasca. Welcome, Derek. Thanks so much, Reverend. Thanks for inviting me on here. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. I'm really interested in hearing about your journey. I'm interested in learning more about ayahuasca, and you can call me Carol. Okay, Carol, thank you. <laughs> uh, so my my story started, uh, like most of us as a kid, my dad was not around. My mom was an alcoholic and very abusive in many ways. Uh, I always grew up in areas of West Springfield, Massachusetts and Jacksonville, Florida, where I was the only white kid or one of a very, very few. So I didn't have community around me uh, outside of the house and inside the house I was not safe um, between you know uh, physical abuse emotional uh, sexual abuse and, and, and all kinds of things um, so by the time I got to high school I moved in with my dad who finally came who came back into the picture and uh, at that point my ability to learn how to make friends was uh, already stunted. So I really didn't understand really how to fit in at that point. Like I, those skills that I should have learned as a kid just never, never happened. And, um, and so I, so I dove into this schoolwork. I did, I did pretty well in school. I, I played uh, soccer. I, I couldn't, you know, play with the cool kids on the baseball or football team. Uh, and so I, I went to college and, and, and learned how to drink and smoke weed. So I flunked out in about a year. And then I went back down to Florida. Um, so there I, uh, you know, I just started like a normal uh, person entering the workforce after flunking out of college. I got a job at a restaurant um, and started drinking. Uh, my mom lived down there. So I drank with her mm. and uh, developed some friends around that. From there, um, I was introduced to cocaine. And um, that became kind of a quick little spurt of, of use. And then I just cast it aside. It just wasn't good for me. I didn't really like what it did for me. So I left it behind. Married, kids, intensity of life ramping up. And right around 28, 29 years old, our marriage dissolved. And um, that's when my addiction kind of took root. So from 
that year, about 2006 until 2016, um, my addiction just kind of changed forms between alcohol and cocaine, alcohol and cocaine, until eventually it just, I, 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 it was inescapable and suffocating. So I tried the 12 steps, but I didn't really get, I didn't understand the program. I didn't, I was going to tons of meetings, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand what the program actually was. So I uh, heard Joe Rogan talking about ayahuasca and I was going to go to Peru, but found this place in Florida that was somewhat new. Um, it became a big, huge church now. Um, and I went and I uh, got some relief immediately after 10 years almost of, of suffering with this downward spiral, this like slow motion train wreck where I was starting to hurt people, a lot of people, myself and everybody around me. Um, the relief was there finally. Like I was able to purge out some of the stuff and I didn't even consider drinking or using any drugs for about a month and a half after that. Um, but it came back. So I went back and it came back. And then the third time I didn't have the money to go back. So I just asked some people at the church and eventually one of them said, Hey, you can, you can come here. I can, I'll give you a weekend, but you have to, dive head first into a new way of life. And I just said whatever I needed to say to get that last retreat. But when I was there, the medicine was very clear and told me that I needed to start volunteering, which I did for about a year. Um, that was relief almost every weekend. I wasn't drinking the medicine all week. I just had a purpose and I was very excited about waking up and, and what I got to do and the people that I was around. Um, Eventually, um, I ended up relapsing and getting let go. So I moved to New Hampshire. There's some other steps involved, but I moved to New Hampshire and founded Pachamama Sanctuary on my last $150, basically. I, mm -hmm. I pretty much emptied everything that I had. It was 150 bucks. That's all I could scrape together. And that was this first retreat was beautiful. It, looking at the time, I thought it was really bad because we were on this dusty floor, but um, you know, with like couch cushions and stuff. But now I look back and, and it was, um, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Um, that was the first one. And, um, and then over the course of time, it ramped up from like just a few people on a dusty floor to 35 people three or four times a month. Um, over the course of this next two and a half, three years. Well, I was not trained or educated or experienced enough to run something of that magnitude you know what i mean my heart only went so far my abilities were a, were, a, were a brick wall and i just kept running into them and i had all this stress and pressure and i basically had a nervous breakdown so i relapsed in december of 2021 um held it together for several months and then eventually the wheels came off. I couldn't handle the pressure. I couldn't because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how to run something so big. I had no idea. I, I you know, I just, it, it happened so fast. So, um, I kind of went on a downward spiral. My mom died during that time and it got really, really fast. Um, between June and September, um, you know, I really, um, I got sick. I, you know, I was sick. I was, I was mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually ill. I was not well. Um, and God gave me this beautiful, beautiful gift. The town of Canterbury stepped in and said that we couldn't have retreats at that residential home anymore because it was too many people and it was not within zoning. So we had to shut down immediately or else they were going to hold me in contempt of court, find me like lots and lots of money. And I, I, so I had to shut down immediately. Um, and I took that opportunity to check into uh, an inpatient drug rehabilitation program. And this is where I learned about the 12 steps. And I started on a rigorous course of action to uh, address the addiction, the root of the addiction. Um, you know, since then, I've I've 
you know, done a ton of shadow work because ultimately what the 12 steps is, is it's, it's shadow work. It's, it's, it's extremely honest and difficult to look at all of these things. Uh, and you got to write down some things that you've done, that you've thought that you, the ways that you've acted, people that you've hurt. And, and you got to look at it in bright, black and white in your own handwriting. And um, there's a structure behind it. There's a structure behind it and it makes it, um, you can lie. You can just, you can joke your way through it. Uh, you won't get mental relief. Um, but that's what I've been doing since then. So I, I'm now, um, six and a half months sober. Yeah. Six and a half months sober. And, um, you know, developed a whole new community. That's, um, it's really wonderful around me, but I now understand what the steps are about. And, um, it's, it's just start to finish. It's, it's, it's shadow work that brings on a spiritual awakening. That's that's precisely what it was. And all the ayahuasca in the world, I mean, I had drank it like 150 times, you know. Um, I got some messages, but it wasn't there was there's a route that needed to be pulled, and this was a way to do it. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I it's 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 raw, it's authentic, it's not like I did this and I got healed. It was kind of like you know, up and down and up and down. And I, there's a couple of things that I want to pull out of your story. First, when you were in Florida, you got some sort of immediate relief with the ayahuasca, but you hadn't done the deep work. And, and at that point, but, but they, they asked you to go into some sort of service, some sort of, you know, being in service to the community, which gave you a purpose. That's what I heard you say. And, and that that was something that kind of helped you on your journey, because I think that's something that's worth highlighting, that no matter what we do, just being in service does kind of help us stay on the path. Yet, you still did end up relapsing with some of the stress. The stress associated with starting up your, um, your, your sanctuary, boy, do I identify with that, because I started a church. I started church in 2010. And when I started church in 2010, I was required to have mentors. I was required to have a, a major support system. And even then it was extremely stressful. So I completely identify with how, how that can feel. I'm very fascinated that you, you have combined the ayahuasca with the 12 step, like the 12 step program is what caused you to do the deep shadow work, which I think is, it's more than just writing stuff down. You got to see it all, but you also have to feel it all, right? You got to kind of feel it all. You're revisiting it all. And so, you know, as opposed to going to whatever substance of choice, which had worked for you in the past to keep you from looking at all that, you have to write it all down and, and see it and then also feel it. Is that correct? That's right. And I'm, I'm still in the middle of my moral inventory. Um, it's, it gets deep. I'm writing out this step work, especially step four, which is what I'm on right now, taking a fearless uh, and searching moral inventory of ourselves is it's it's difficult to look at these words on the paper. Uh, some of you might be familiar with like channeling when you just kind of open your mouth and you're kind of surprised at the things that come out of your mouth that are really interesting or um, things that you wouldn't have thought of and they just come out of your mouth. That's what happens with my pen. And I start writing and then I look down and I'm like, ooh, that hurts. It's true. And like, I need I needed to see that. Um, so it's, it's like God's writing my fourth step. It's, it really feels that way. Uh, especially when I sort of take myself out of the picture. Um, some of that work gets done with ayahuasca, but I'm not sure if I just had so much to do, if it was too intense for me, if I, I, you know, I think that I probably fell prey to something that a lot of people fell prey to that I, and I didn't even realize that most of us don't when we go through this, which was, utilizing ayahuasca and spiritually bypassing the actual inner work. Um, you know, if anybody told me that at the time, I would have denied it. But I look back on it, and I can't really argue that point uh, fairly, because I was sitting with the medicine, I would feel better, I'll be balanced and happy for about a month. And then I would sit with ayahuasca again, not actually making any progress on getting to this root of this addiction, which is rooted in selfishness and dishonesty. Um, 
And it's kind of a double life situation that most addicts and alcoholics live. So um, I was very much one person, the person that I wanted to be in front of people. And then once they left, it was a whole different person. And it was almost like a split of timelines. Every time people left or came, the, the new person would show up. So, yeah, this work is getting to the root of that other person, pulling it out, loving him and then releasing that um understanding those shadows through this work is it's painful it's painful yeah this is so interesting because i think that any spiritual practice can be bypassed i've always wondered about the psychedelics i've wondered about ayahuasca but you could also do you know positive thinking and that's a bypass uh, you know you can bypass with prayer and meditation you can bypass with anything if it's if you're doing it over here but you have integrated yourself and you're behaving over here so i i like i like i started to say i've always kind of wondered about mushrooms and <laughs> things like that using anything external for your spiritual growth your spiritual awakening but i can also see that you can bypass no no matter no matter what you do um so can why don't we talk about ayahuasca let's talk about what it is I don't know if everybody listening knows. I I I've never done ayahuasca, so I I'm interested. I do know people who've who've had wonderful wonderful results with it. But why don't you just share a little bit about what it is and why somebody would pursue this path? Sure. So ayahuasca is a combination of two plants from the Amazon: the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna leaf. The vine has an MAO inhibitor in it, as well as a bunch of other alkaloids that have this entourage effect, which by itself would have great results and is not mind altering. When you add the chacruna, the chacruna has uh, some other elements, but the main one is going to be the dimethyltryptamine or DMT. Uh, that is a molecule that's present in everybody's body at all times. Every living thing actually has dimethyltryptamine in it. Plants, animals, fungus, everything. Um, it's called the spirit molecule because it's throughout everything, right? Um, as a matter of fact, psilocybin breaks down to dimethyltryptamine. So um, it's, it's the same molecule. It's a different entourage effect, but it creates a, a spiritual event. You have, you can have visions, you generally purge, so you'll throw up, but it's, it's an energetic purge that comes with fluid. It's not like feeling sick and ill and, and, and miserable. Um, it's like relieving, relieving yourself of something that you've been carrying. Um, you can get messages from your higher self most of the time from the medicine. She's very nurturing. It's a feminine energy. So she's a, 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 a nurturing disciplinarian, we'll say, because she's... Um, <laughs> She's, she's, she's not all roses and buttercups. It's, it's, um, it's, it's shadow work. It's deep shadow work, right? She wants you to look at your stuff so that you don't have to suffer with it anymore. She wants you to take off your dirty clothes and put clean, clean clothes on. That's, that's mom, you know, that's grandma. So, um, it's, it's an intense experience. It's medicine that's served by people that are trained and that's their path, which is not me. I don't serve medicine. Um, you know, I bring in shamans or ayahuascaros, curanderos, uh, the, you know, those types of people that have been trained in the jungle uh, to actually pour the cups and, and serve the medicine and protect the space. I don't, I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. I make sure that the building is safe and that the law is covered and the money is covered and the, and the safety elements and the, in the, in the, driveways plowed and the grass is cut and and the buckets are clean that's my favorite the buck cleaning buckets is, is is how i really got started you know it's it's true it's true okay okay and mm -hmm. does ayahuasca show up as the feminine for everyone i think so um i think so i anybody that expresses the presence that they felt expresses it in terms of either a neutral or a feminine energy 
Um, it's, it's, it's not really expressed in as a masculine energy, even with the Colombians that serve Yahe, which is a more aggressive version. It's more purgative. Uh, and the way that they serve the medicine is very masculine in their service, but the medicine still comes through inside as a feminine, uh, presence. Okay. And then you say that she helps people do their shadow work and, and yet you, you also need to do additional kind of shadow work. So how, how does that work? So I was not taking the time to actually do the shadow work. She was giving me messages. She was giving me direction. Right. But then I would come out of ceremony and I would be immediately back to work. I was working, uh, you know, so many hours, 80 to 120 hours a week. I mean, I was working, I was obsessed. I was a workaholic at that point. I became a workaholic, but, um, I had to work so hard to get it going. Like that's any kind of church or coffee shop. It doesn't matter. Um, it takes a lot of work. And so I, the thing that I created to help people find their spirituality and the thing that I was hoping would help improve my spirituality was the very thing that was draining it because I was unable to actually practice self-care and take a look in the mirror. I didn't have time to look in the mirror. I didn't have time to shower. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got it. I completely understand that. So so there's there's the medicine and then there's the work that the person needs to do to integrate what the medicine tells them or what whatever they're guided to do or be there's that that the deeper work to continue to 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 follow what it whatever it is that they experience during the ceremony is that correct yes yes absolutely you get you get homework when you go to grandma's and you get homework you know you you know make sure you tuck your clothes in make sure you meditate go to yoga you know um journal She'll tell you what to do. She'll literally tell you what to do. And it's so easy, especially the first time when people go, to be like, oh my gosh, I feel great. I got it all figured out now. I don't need to do my homework. The homework is the work, you know? So the medicine is the message. The work is what you do at home. That's so interesting because I think people are always looking for the fix, you know? what? What is it that's going to be able to... Uh, to just change me, just fix me. Like, you know, I just want to take that, whatever that is, and that other stuff. So, you know, I think people who look at things like ayahuasca is, is that is that fix. Like, I don't have to do the work or I'll just will completely transform. And there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that anywhere. We all, we all have to, when we're on the journey, we all have to keep walking on the journey. There's not like we're suddenly at the destination. There is no destination. So is ayahuasca something that people would come back to regularly? Or is it something where we they would go on like a retreat and have this experience and listen to the message and then go into their world, their life and carry out their message? And is it something they need to come back to? Or can they sometimes just go on in their life and, and that's it? It's my hope that people that come never have to come back. Okay. It is a good thing to visit. However, the reality is, is like you said, people want that quick fix, you know, go ahead and fix me and I'll take that with a Diet Coke, right? right. You know, it's, it's like, it's, you know, they want to drive through solutions so that they get back to living the same way that they live. And the truth right. is, is just like me, I have to live a different way if I want a different experience. And so integration is 95 plus percent of it. Um, integration is actually changing things in your behavior and in your life to produce the type of experience that you want to have. So you're not restless, and irritable, discontent with life. So how do you define integration? Integration um, can come in many different forms. Some people integrate through a yoga practice or meditation or breath work, journaling, and these kinds of things. Um, but there's got to be some form of feeling the emotions and tapping into the somatic experience of life. And um, d- people that 
dedicate themselves to regular daily practices, to looking at themselves on a regular basis and making adjustments and making adjustments and not just kind of coasting, those are the ones that will get the best results. Um, A lot of people get this relief immediately and then don't really do it, but those that do get tremendous results. So some people choose to hire an integration coach before they come and then they get an integration coach for a couple of months ahead of time to set intentions, prepare for the experience, and then between six months and a year afterwards. And most of the time, most of the time, a very high percentage of those, it's a one-time thing. Those that don't hire integration coaches, and I'm, I do, I help people with integration for free. This is not like some kind of plug, right? Um, those who don't hire integration coaches or have a plan for integration generally come back a second time and say, I wish I would have listened to you. I wish I would have started integration in the beginning when it was easy. And then they come back, they get that new relief. And then the second time they generally have big propulsion, uh, you know, their first year afterwards, because they know now, you know, don't put, don't put, don't sleep on it. Yeah. Got it. So who who would be a candidate for an ayahuasca ceremony? What what kinds of healing situations would a person have that would would benefit from this kind of ceremony, this kind of work? So let's start with people who shouldn't sit with ayahuasca, okay? Um people with heart problems, people with uh high high blood pressure that's uncontrolled, people that are on medications that um that that fiddle with the serotonin, right? SSRIs, MEOIs, uh, different psych meds, right? Um, anybody that's been diagnosed or has a history of schizophrenia or bipolar. Um, and there's a few other ones like, um, you know, a history of seizures and um, al- active uh, drug or alcohol use. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, that that those types of people that I just listed off, uh, it's a very, very, very safe medicine. There's very specific reasons why all those things are dangerous. Okay, um, and I would I would say that um, you know once you get up over sixty five, it's a, more of a shift. It's more of a shock to the system because of the amount of years that the same way of thinking has been practiced. Um, to completely take tear apart some basic understanding of the way the world or the universe works and restructure it at the age of 65 sometimes doesn't go over well. Um, it's also a little bit hard on the body uh, over the course of a weekend. Um, younger than 14, um, I would say is not a good idea. Um, under 16, um, also not the greatest idea, but at 16, they're, 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 um, they're okay. You know, they're okay. Eight under, uh, under 18 should be obviously with a parent's consent, but should be proceeded with caution. Uh, and the Amazon, they start serving to them at, at two years old. So it's not, mm. um, it's not uncommon for them to actually drink ayahuasca during the whole pregnancy and then put it on their first feeding. So they, so they get a taste of the medicine as soon as they are delivered. Um, and, uh, you know, DMT is something that's in our body already. So it's not like it's going to, you know, cause brain damage or anything like that. The reason I say 14 to 16 is kind of a start is, is start at the beginning of the danger zone is the the emotional and mental maturity of a person at that age is a a wide variance when you look at kids um and um and their uh, mental health is is important because they're coming into you know uh, an unstable point in their life with their mental health so a lot of support would need to be um had by by them with their parents or with a psychologist or with a really good qualified integration coach um, between 18 and 65, I would say that most people that don't fall into the categories that I mentioned earlier, uh, if they're looking for something and they and they feel called to the medicine, they're a good candidate. If they if they if you know, don't don't come if you're if you're like want to do the next cool fad because Chris Rock does it, like don't do that. You know, yeah, you're just gonna have just curiosity. Do, do people ever come just no. out of curiosity? Don't do that. 
occasionally and it's just it's not it's you know i mean sometimes they get their mind blown sometimes that's how the medicine called to them so you know it's i i would say sit and actually feel into your body to see if you're being called by the medicine or if if your your excitement and, and, and interest is peaked and that's what it is you know just mm-hmm. get real honest with yourself about it it's, yeah, it's so it's like listening to the, the voice within, the, the spirit within. If you're drawn, then this is where you should go. If you're not, then it's interesting to learn about. I'm wondering if the only thing I've done anywhere close like this, I, I, I did go to Peru in 2019 with my, my oldest daughter, and we did San Pedro. We had a San Pedro ceremony, and we didn't choose to do the ayahuasca. It didn't call me. The San Pedro did, but that was a crazy experience. We were asked to set an intention beforehand. And I'm wondering, do you do that with ayahuasca? Do you set an intention? And you may set an intention to come to the, uh, the weekend, but do you set an intention with the ayahuasca before you go through the ceremony? Yes. We suggest that everybody come with an intention, um, that something that they want to understand better or have healed or release. Um, generally most people's intentions fall into one of three categories. That's going to be how to know yourself, how to be yourself and how to love yourself. It's usually going to fall into one of those three categories. I love that. You know, that's so interesting that probably most of our problems boil down to those three categories. Uh, it's a really good way to make it succinct. Know yourself, love yourself or be yourself. Yeah. Where is, where is it? Yeah. When I did the San Pedro, I think it was the knowing. I went in with a, 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 a knowing question. And um, anyway, I got my answer. <laughs> so do you, do, you have any, do you have any knowledge of all of San Pedro versus Ayahuasca? Mm-hmm. Yep. I've sat with it a couple of times. It's a beautiful, beautiful medicine. I actually spoke with somebody yesterday um, about the possibility of, of bringing that to the sanctuary as a supportive uh, sacrament. Uh, We'll see how that goes, um, but okay. it is a beautiful, beautiful medicine. Yeah. What is your understanding of why you would select one over the other? Just what you're called to? Yeah. I mean, ayahuasca is the path that I ended up on as of now, right? I've sat with multiple different medicines, you know, a bunch of different medicines, Combo, Bufo, uh, San Pedro, Peyote, um, you know, all kinds of different medicines, right? But ayahuasca is the one that I feel so intimately connected with. Okay. Um, Some people have that beautiful intimate connection with ayahuasca for many years, and then all of a sudden it shifts and they move to another medicine. That happens uh, sometimes. I, I really think it's just which medicine wants to utilize you as a tool for what they need, um, because that's that's really ultimately what a shaman is or what I'm doing. Uh, nothing like a shaman, but like I have a different role and the medicine just kind of reached in and said, this is what you're going to do now. Okay. All right. Um, so let me ask you this, and this is kind of a, a, a devil's advocate kind of question. Why do we need medicine? What, if, if, if we're about connecting to the divine, do we, why do we sometimes need medicine to like help us see ourselves versus just meditation or just really fully opening ourselves up to God's source, the divine, whatever we, we would call it. What, what is it that, what, it, cause it strikes me a little bit as an intermediary, kind of like as a, like a priest that stands between you and God, you know, which I kind of have a little bit of issue with. And so I'm not equating it, but I'm just asking you that question. Do we need this this medicine in between us and the higher self? Uh, So anything in between us and the higher self is an illusion. Um, It's not between us and and the higher self. It allows us to strip away the ego, which is what is in between us and the higher self. Okay. Um, And that ego gets activated so much with billboards and cell phones and ads and television and buy this car, you'll get girls and all this stuff that we get like fired down our throats all the time. It's separating us as a society from the earth, from the true nature of what we are. We're being tricked um, and we're tricking ourselves. We're buying into it. The instant gratification, the fast food, the, you know, Netflix marathons, it's, 
that's what's keeping us away from our higher self. And a thousand years ago, we didn't have, you know, 176 channels, right? We had one channel, the the woods, <laughs> you know? Right, right. We're so distracted. There's so much pulling us into the material world that the, the, the pull of the material world has always been there, but it's just so in our faces right now. <laughs> As like you said, there's more and more channels, more and more options, more and more distractions and, you know, with computers and AI and everything. Um, so, so the ayahuasca then helps to dissolve the ego barrier. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Can you, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the ceremony, uh, or the circle or what actually happens. Can you share about that? Sure. Uh, so generally there's some prayer that opens ceremony. Uh, the medicine carrier will serve the medicine and there's various different ways that they do that. Some pray into each cup, some, uh, serve uh, a prayer over all of it. Um, some do both. Uh, there's some other plants that are utilized throughout the ceremony. And then there's a bunch of different traditions. Cause if you think about South America, it's huge. There's different languages. There's different like places all over. And this, and, and the vine and the leaf, they grow all over the Amazon basin. They grow all over South America, right? Like they're everywhere. The, the, this vine is growing everywhere like crazy. Um, so you have the Colombians that have one particular type of tradition that uh, starts off silent and then builds and builds and then ends with this crescendo as the sun's coming up. And it's this beautiful experience that sort of builds over time that you take three, about three cups throughout the, throughout the night. Um, and it's, it's a difficult process. Uh, then you've got the Shipibo that are in Peru that sing Icaros, which is plant language lullabies, basically. And they are very soft and everything is extremely dark and the energy doesn't come up that way. It's a very nurturing, very, very affectionate type of, uh, way. And then there's the, the, um, the Brazilians, like, um, there's Santa Daime, which is very interesting because they kind of drink different cups all throughout the night and they sing different songs that are, um, towards, uh, Christianity. Uh, some of them are in Portuguese. And then there's the Hunikuin and the Yuanawa that have their own, they speak, uh, Portuguese. But so the, the Yuanawa and the Hunikuin, they kind of bring their family together and there's shakers and rattles and guitars and they play music like as a group with these beautiful, long, drawn out notes and, um, and lots of healing with lots of different plants. So. Uh, you know, the different ceremonies are, are very, very different depending on the person that serves and what tradition that they come from. Um, they're all beautiful in their own way. So at your, at your center, do you have different kinds of ceremonies or do you have a generally the same kind of ceremony at your, at your center? We do. We do have different types of uh, ceremonies. So we have um, some that are Shipibo, some that are Colombian, some that are... Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So if somebody signed up for a weekend, it, it, they may get, they, do they know what kind of ceremony they're going to get? Or is it just going to be what, whatever it, it unfolds in that weekend? Uh, if they know what tradition that they prefer, then they'll know, oh, I'm going to sign up with Taita because I know Taita is Colombian. Okay. Or I'm going to sign up with this person because I know they're Shipibo. If they don't know, I don't really guide anybody. I don't describe this to most people and connect them with different medicine carriers because I want spirit to like have them feel compelled to go to one person and then right. have them have that experience with no guidance. Okay. I see that. And so, uh, so it's, it's like listening to your guidance and yeah, when you see a, a schedule and you see names and you see faces and things like that, it's like who you're attracted to or what calls to you and you sign up for that. And then that's the ceremony that you're, you're meant to receive. So how many people would you have uh, at a ceremony? So the max that we will ever have is going to be 40. My favorite is at between 25 and 40 sweet spot. Um, okay. We generally won't have, we definitely will never have any bigger because we put it in this on our statement of beliefs. Um, but that sweet spot, 25 to 40, magic happens. There's enough people that 
are telling different stories that you hear some of your own and it's not too many people where you can hide out like everybody's going to see everybody and they're going to have you're going to you're going to have interactions and make some friends so do people do they stay there on site or do they they stay somewhere else and come in to your center so people check in on friday about four o'clock and we're done around noon to two o'clock in the afternoon on sunday so they stay there we feed them for two days and have uh, all types of different uh, workshops breath work and meditation yoga um, i'll be walking people through a morning routine every uh, you know saturday and sunday morning to so that they can take home some tools hopefully circumventing this avoidance of the actual work when they go home i don't know um we're gonna try and and see but but uh yeah they stayed there the whole time okay that that seems like it'd be a very bonding experience it seems like you'd really be connecting you'd probably find your own people but there'd probably be friendships made there that that last a long time i would think um so is this uh, obviously in new hampshire where you're doing this this is legal but is this something that's like legal across the country now and anybody can do this or is this something that you need a license for or something like that so this is definitely not legal okay um there's there's two aspects to the law there is the first amendment which is freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof so that means that i can call this my sacrament and it has gone to the supreme court of the united states twice with ayahuasca as a sacrament for a church and both times the supreme court has voted unanimously that it is a religious sacrament so i'm utilizing those findings those those cases to back up what i'm doing however it is a schedule one narcotic which means that uh, according to the government it has no medicinal value and a high likelihood for addiction and abuse um i disagree uh but that's the way that it's it's uh it's scheduled so the drug enforcement um uh the, the dea Drug Enforcement Agency, that's not right, whatever it is. The DEA uh, has come and visited me. Um, they've been in contact. They've, they go through my mail. They, they do all of that because this is, this is, um, this is not legal. Uh, it's, it's, there's no licensing because there's no like Department of Religion at the, at the government level because there's a separation of church and state. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is like the first two years I, until I had an attorney and we had all of this stuff put into place. I was terrified all the time, terrified, you know, um, pretty certain that they, they continue to monitor me and they probably will. So it's not legal, but it is. I mean, it's not legal, but it's protected by the freedom of religion. It's So if they um, prosecute me, I will have a good case based on on the first amendment and that's what i'll argue right um uh -huh. but that doesn't uh -huh. mean that they can't arrest me um you know it's just it's it is what it is it's the law is the law and so they're going to either prosecute me or they're not all right so can you share i, I know you really can't use people's names or this, but can you can you share some stories about people's experience healing experience with ayahuasca at the pachamama your pachamama center sanctuary sure. Sure. Um, you know, some of the stories that have actually occurred have been so tremendous that I, I hesitate to share them because they've been like really, really wild. Um, I'll share one. Um, so this so this woman was coming to the sanctuary. She came and, and, and sat twice and then she's decided to um, she decided to volunteer and she started working with our team and helping be of service. Uh, so she, she sat a couple of more times and one of those times, uh, she was, uh, like having a lot of pain in her abdomen during, during the, uh, ceremony. And so one of the medicine carriers, this was a team of two, the woman came up to her and said, whatever it is, you know, she says, she says, you can now, you can have children now. So this woman had had a hysterectomy. And she had a child and she wanted to have another one, but she couldn't because she had a hysterectomy um, where they put the clips on there and then they cauterize it. So uh, a few days later, she started having a tooth problem. So she went to go have this tooth 
problem fixed and they fixed the tooth, but her fever never went down. And so they sent her to the emergency room where they took some x-rays and they found the clips that they had put on her hysterectomy and like one by her liver and one somewhere else in her body. So they had to go in there and extract those things. And on the way after, on the way out of uh, the doctor's office, the, one of the last times, the doctor said to this woman, you know, okay, so you're probably going to have to go back on birth control. And she says, no, 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 I'm like, I, the doctor says, no, you're, you're fertile and you're able to, you're able to conceive right now. And she says, I can't be. And so they went and they looked at it and they went and looked at the record and it's some, it's, it's, it's true. Like this, this should be, it was a complete hysterectomy. It should, she should have never been able to do that. Um, but that's the miraculous like thing, right? My favorite ones are when people are like suffering at home and they're, and they're living a life uh, of like, like I, I think it's, um, Waddle said, uh, no, Emerson said that uh, most people live a life of quiet desperation, right? Or, or, or quiet desperation. Those people that just like are, are sleepwalking through life and they are just going through the motions and not really sure what they're missing, but like this can't be all that life is. Like watching reruns and eating TV dinners and going to work for a boss that I don't like. This has got to be something different. And they go from that to like losing 40 pounds because they're eating right and they quit their job with no prospect of a new job. And then all of a sudden they're now a yoga instructor because that was like they needed this push. They were working in the healthcare. It happens a lot. The healthcare field, they're just oh. suffering with red tape and they want to be a healer, but they find the most practical path and they go into traditional or, or, or modern medicine, Western medicine, because their 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 soul is being called to help people, but they just lost in transmission where they were supposed to go. Now they're a Reiki master or now they're, um, you know, a uh, a fitness coach and they're doing something like fulfilling with their life. Those are like th those everyday miracles make the world a better place they go in their hat they're nicer to the person in the grocery store they're nicer to the person at the gas station and then that person is going to have a better day and like if we like like that's that's the thing that i that i love this the normal person having a rough time understanding what life is going from that to <sighs> i love that i can breathe this is easter week and you know you may or may not buy into the Christian the the Christian story of Easter, but it, it sounds like a resurrection. You know, it's like like you are dead as a person. So many of us are walking dead. So many of us are walking around, heads down, you know, we're we're going from place to place, making our money, working our grind jobs, you know, coming home, doing doing our best. But it's like pattern well after you know, one thing after another, after another, completely repeating everything and not really being alive. You know, most of us are dead or, or sleeping, but, but it sounds like this is like a resurrection of spirits. So they reinvent themselves and, and, and awaken to their own calling, like being who they are, you know, and the, the, the knowing, loving, and being, I love what you say that they, they're called to be healers, but our quote healing profession is it's a masquerade. It's like, you know, the medical profession is, is like, you know, because uh, everybody knows who listens to me knows I'm pretty down on it. It, it. The intention is good, but it's not healing. It's not healing. And so people who are called to be healers are often in the wrong place. And I love that through this, through your ceremonies, that they can awaken to what else can I do to actually be who I came here to be. Beautiful. Very beautiful. So you have this amazing miracles, like the first woman, and then you have these also amazing miracles where people come to life and step into their life in a mighty way and just kind of own their life and and create i think so many of us aren't creating so many of us are just stuck not creating anything and when we're not creating anything we're not nurturing anything we're not we're not caring for anything and we just kind of wither like you know a, a, a plant that's been um that's been ignored that's been abandoned so that's interesting all right um, I think we're coming up on the hour. I'm not sure we've had to restart this recording a few times, but I do want to give you the chance to share anything else that I might not have asked or something that you want to say. Um, yeah, you know, I meet a lot of people through 
the sanctuary and through the sober community. And I, I find that, um, you know, the people that really want to change something, find a way to do it. There's an infinite path to the light. Ayahuasca just happens to be mine, but you, everybody, every one of us has a calling to connect with our higher power, great spirit, our higher self. God is what I like to call um, it. She's, it's both, you know, there's, it's everything. And, and, um, you know, get out, get out from the behind your phone and take your shoes off and walk around in the grass and be grateful for your breath and listen to what your intuition is telling you of which path to take. You know, it might be painting. And if you paint your way to God, then I am in love with that. I I think it's so interesting that there's a theme of most people who've been on my podcast who've gone through real healing. There's a theme of throw away your phones, take off your shoes, walk in the grass. It's it's such simple, simple medicine. And and yet most of us are so addicted to these other things. So that's beautiful. Lots of different paths. Ayahuasca is one. Your healing journey is really inspiring. And I know that people will be inspired by your journey, this telling of your story today. So I appreciate that. appreciate the work you're doing. Very intrigued by your sanctuary. want to make sure you give me all of the links to your work so I can put that on the podcast page and see if anybody out there is interested in, in pursuing your work. Uh, thank you so much, Derek, for being on today. Really, really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. Thank you, Carol. It was great being here. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.